This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back to Policing Matters. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, people sometimes do want the cops until, well, they don't want the cops until they need the cops and they want them not now, but right now. Of course, we're in this quandary of having fewer cops due to attrition, early retirement, low recruiting and other factors. How will we fill the gaps with fewer law enforcement officers? How can we do it and keep our people safe at the same time? Well, we've been discussing common operating platforms, mutual safety systems, and intelligence-led policing for some time now. It's become a reality at places like Fort Worth in Texas. We heard from Don Redman and Chula Vista how they rolled out the live 911, and they've got this really robust uh, drone system that follows officers, uh, gets there before officers to some calls. Today, we're going to hear from Supervising Sergeant and Director of the Fort Worth Real-Time Crime Center, Sergeant Dalton Webb. Sergeant Webb is a 17-year veteran of the Fort Worth Police Department and the founder of the FWPD Real-Time Crime Center, which he began when he was an officer assigned to the intelligence section. Since then, the Fort Worth RTCC has grown into a 24-7 operation with 16 sworn officers and is information and intelligence hub of the Fort Worth Police Department. He's now the national expert on the concepts of integrating technology into a policing agency and effectively using these tools to drive the policing mission. He's currently writing his first book on technology-driven policing and believes that the majority of policing agencies in America will have some form of the real crime center within the next 10 years. I think it's going to happen sooner than that. Uh, He told me recently, technology-driven policing is a much simpler concept than intelligence-led policing that is easily noticeable return on investment and documented wins. Again, the only way these things can occur is through an effective real-time crime center. And you know what? I think he's right. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, Sergeant Dalton Webb. How are you, Jim? Great. Uh, Real-time crime centers, we've been talking about them for a long time. I remember, you know, right after 9-11, we talked about the TEWs, the terrorist early warning groups, and we brought everybody together, police, fire, public health, and, and all these other agencies. We brought in federal agencies like the FBI to help us with our situational awareness and, and bring us intelligence. Well, now it seems like you're producing your own intelligence and your own situational awareness in uh, Fort Worth. Tell us how you got started with that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the concept, you, you're right. It started back, uh, I want to say it started with NYPD uh, or somewhere up in the Northeast, but, you know, it's it's grown and it's morphed into something different now um, to where, you know, agencies, they're, they're developing these, these tools with technology and, and there's got to be a centralized location to use these tools. Uh, and what we're, we're discovering in Fort Worth and, and some other cities that are, that are doing the same thing that, that we're doing is you, know, you can utilize technology to drive your policing process. And it's super, super effective. 
Um, but you know, with with the birth of the the actual crime center uh, in Fort Worth, it's it's a little a little different. We're more of a grassroots program where, you know, a lot of these agencies now, and you know, there's probably well over 100 crime centers in the nation at this point. Uh, you know, they're spending you know, months planning their crime centers and, and, and developing these things, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. I encourage people to do it that way. But, you know, ours was unique in a sense that our crime center went from idea to implementation within 24 hours. Um, you know, I was an officer back in the intelligence section when, when all this began. And it was one incident in particular that, that really started this ball rolling with Fort Worth. Um, there was a... Uh, there was a homicide on the west side of Fort Worth. And, um, you know, as an officer assigned to the intelligence section at that time, what I would do uh, during times where there wasn't a lot going on with my unit at that moment, um, I would monitor the calls for service. I would see what was going on. I just like to be aware of what was happening in my city. Um, I saw the details of this call. And as officers were arriving, they were developing information on the scene that uh, an individual had been shot and killed in broad daylight in the middle of the street and they had determined very quickly that his father killed him so um very very bizarre very tragic incident um and the witnesses on the scene were relaying to the officers that they believed that this gentleman was on his way to his wife's house to kill her too hmm. so you know a, a very very high stress situation as you can as you can imagine um, but at that time, and this was back in 2012, uh, the officers that were on the scene, they didn't have the ability at that time to determine, you know, who he was exactly, what the license plate of his vehicle was, where he's going, uh, you know, in a timely manner, because the clock's ticking. He's already left the scene. Hmm. So I, I knew in that moment, because, you know, I'm listening to all this on the radio, and I knew in that moment that I had the ability to do something. Uh, I could figure these things out because, you know, I'm not on scene. It's not chaos where I'm at like it is out there. Hmm. Uh, so I reached out to the the officers on scene at that time and said, hey, you know, this is this is who I am. What do you got? I, I think I can help. And I just happened to know the officer who responded. And he, he kind of told me, well, this is the name of the guy, but we have nothing on him. We don't know who he is or where he's going. And very quickly, I was able to determine, you know, where he lives, his license plate of his vehicle. Um, the name of the wife, all these different things. Took me, you know, roughly a minute, 30 seconds to a minute to find that. Uh, just because I had the ability and I had the, the, the resources and the training. So quickly told them and they very, very quickly got over there and were able to get her safe before he arrived. They actually beat him there. Um, and I realized at that moment, because, you know, at, at the conclusion of that incident, he ended up uh, shooting himself uh, mm -hmm. nearby. But I, you know, I realized in that moment after it happened that these things are important. You know, we're talking about lives out there. So it's important to be able to get the information to officers in the field to help them with their investigations in real time. So I went to my lieutenant at the time and, and told him my idea. And that's when the crime center was born in Fort Worth. Yeah, so in that particular scene, you were like the iPhone of Intel, right? So you, everything was happening within you. You were the coordinator. You were taking in the uh, information and pushing it back out. So you were like your own mini crime center. Well, now you've got this group of dedicated people. You've got 16 people assigned. And I'm going to flip up a picture pretty soon for um, our YouTube that... Um, 
it's a it's a great looking setup. Let me let me flip over that real quick, and um, you've got this uh, room with all these monitors, and you've got computers and desks and people taking in different calls and doing different things. Is it a functional intelligence led center like you're talking about you did at that scene or is it just a bunch of monitors and people taking call is it just sort of like a heightened dispatch oh it's yeah it's so much more than that um so you know a lot of people equate that to you know you're similar to a dispatch center uh but you know dispatchers they have a very very important function obviously call takers and dispatchers uh they don't you know they don't have time to do what what we're doing, and we call it real-time analysis on calls for service. Um, you know, I, I tell everybody when they first come in and, you know, when we're doing training, you know, our primary goal in the crime center is to improve officer safety and citizen safety. That's what we want to do. Um, and, and there's a multitude of ways to do that. You know, our secondary function is to, you know, proactively mitigate crime or reactively investigate crime to develop leads for, for officers and investigators. Uh, so, you know, a very different function from what dispatch does, but extremely valuable. Um, but yeah, what you're what you're looking at there is the center itself. It's 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 funny because that actually used to be the NBC Five here in Dallas Fort Worth uh, control center. So it was a natural home uh, when we got the building from them to turn that into a real time crime center. Oh, that's great. So what other kind of technology? I know we're going to, we, we've shown the statistics as far as the citywide uh, cameras, you've got ALPRs. What other kind of technology are you using? Yep. So, you know, those are obviously our two biggest uh, valuable tools, I think, is, is, you know, the cameras that we have that we can uh, monitor in addition to the ALPR cameras, which is automatic license plate readers. Um, but, you know, we've got a, a multitude of investigative databases that are unique to law enforcement that uh, we can access to, uh, you know, assist officers in the field with, with real-time investigations that are occurring right now, uh, in addition to um, data mining for the uh, investigators and detectives. Um, you know, they're, a lot of them are very good at what they do, but, you know, our officers, they're very highly trained uh, in the crime center, so we're very, very good at developing information to advance an investigation for them. So if they get stumped, they'll give us a call, and, uh, and we'll see what we can develop for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so when you talk about um, ICEL or your intelligence section to give the officers on scene situational awareness, I guess they're doing things like, you know, taking what they know, the suspect information, they're going through the history of calls for service at the location. What, what else is going on? Say if an officer gets dispatched to the scene of a domestic violence where there have been calls for service in the past and you might actually know who the suspect is or, or the, yeah, the suspect. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty common situation for us. Um, you know, when you go back to what I was saying about, you know, our primary goal is to improve officer and citizen safety. And in that particular situation, what we would do um, is we, we want to know who these people are. You know, it's, it's a, a domestic disturbance. Uh, we don't have all the facts until officers get there and can investigate it, but you know, prior to officers getting there, we want to arm them with the best information that they possibly can have to make them safe. Uh, so in that situation, we would try to figure out exactly, you know, based on what the people calling 911 are saying, who are these people? You know, what does their history look like? Do they have warrants out for their arrest? Um, and and this, this exact situation actually happened, uh, I guess it was about three years ago, yeah, um, to where we were doing that very thing. And we figured out pretty quickly that um, the individual 
uh, that was part of that call actually had a fresh felony warrant for a shooting. Uh, you know, officers obviously didn't know that when they were when they were going there. But you know, you're talking about this guy knows that he shot somebody, and now police are going to show up. But mm -hmm. officers don't know that, so we arm them with that information before they get there, and that changes the entire dynamic of the call. Mm. You know, so you know he's got a warrant out for his arrest, so they want to safely get him into custody, and it's safer for everybody, not just officers, but him too. Uh, so that, you know, that's a good example of how we can improve officer safety. Yeah. And so in those kinds of calls, are you using other technology? I'm sure your officers are wearing the body worn cameras. Do you have the capability of putting a drone on scene fairly quickly? Yep. So um, we, we don't have a, a robust drone program like, like, you know, groups like Chula Vista have, um, you know, they're, they're pioneers with what they're doing with drones. Obviously that's what we're all trying to get to. Um, so we don't have that, but, uh, you know, live streaming body cameras, that's coming very quickly. We should have that capability here. We've tested it. We should have it probably within the next two to three months, hopefully. Um, you know, and that's just another aspect of how we can basically hop on board essentially with these officers to improve their officer safety, to help them. So they don't even have to call us. If we're listening to them live, we can feed them the information that they need in real time without even requesting it because everybody in my crime center is a sworn officer. They understand the things that these officers need, you know, to be safe, to advance their investigations. And the officers in the field, they appreciate that. They, they know that we're there for them to help them. Yeah, you know, I've talked with uh, people like uh, Jamie Borden, Sergeant Jamie Borden from Critical Incident Review, and we talked about how when you're in the moment, you know, an officer's in the moment and you've got all that adrenaline pumping and there's maybe an armed suspect involved, you're doing a search. Uh, and then you mentioned today about being that sort of cooler head, a little bit, you know, detached from the actual incident who could make these calculations and send people. Um, will you be in the ear of the officer on scene to say, hey, uh, you know, we're not aware of where the suspect is yet, but there's cover back here, get, you know, move. Are you going to actually be giving with those live stream, like instructions to the officer on scene? Yeah, and, and that's another advantage of, of having sworn officers in your crime centers. They understand officer safety from a tactical aspect. I'm not saying civilians can't learn that. Uh, they can, but it's, it's inherently natural with, with officers. Um, and yes, we have done that. We've done that with our cameras, um, you know, because we have a large number of these PTZ cameras around our city that uh, we can keep an eye on officers on traffic stops. Uh, we can help them follow officers and vehicles, you know, in foot chases. And, and that's happened several times where we've seen officers, you know, on an incident and watched as the suspect ran from them and they lost them, but we can see them on camera because they're hiding and we've directed them in. Um, but, you know, we've got to, we have to be careful, um, you know, in terms of the live streaming aspect about distracting them. Mm. Uh, you know, the officers, they know what they're doing. They're trained, um, but we, we don't want to cause them to split their attention. I mean, that's really the, the point of the crime center to begin with is, you know, we don't want officers driving the calls, researching that call in their car as they're driving 80 miles an hour. That's right. dangerous and, and, and it's inefficient. Um, you know, so approaching that from a crime center aspect, um, you know, we, I, I tell them our goal is to get 
the individuals the information that they need to be successful and then it's up to them to decide how they're going to use that information right no that's a really good point of the the distraction of maybe giving them you know flooding them with too much information um you know i've heard tales of you know officers who actually disable their alprs because they can't drive in some cities they can't drive two blocks without hitting on a stolen license plate so uh yeah i mean at some point um we can be overcome with with too much information yeah that's a perfect point perfect point because we have a robust fixed alpr program here in fort worth and and we're getting approximately 300 hits a day wow and, and these are these are not hits on you know a person that didn't pay their their speeding ticket no we don't we don't get those at all every one of them are either stolen vehicles, felony warrants, high-level warrants, or, you know, custom hits that we put in there on active offenders hmm. that are linked to crimes that we know have occurred. So, you know, you're, you're talking about we can overwhelm officers very, very quickly, and we do. So, you know, from, from, the, from that approach, we, we don't want to have information overload from officers in the field because they'll just tune us out, like you said. They'll turn us off like they're ALPRs. Right. Um, so so we, we try to get them as far as we possibly can before we have to call them. So like if we get a hit on the stolen car, rather than call them immediately, if we have enough cameras in the area, we'll try to acquire it live on camera and we'll follow it until they stop. We do that every day. Uh, so that way, you know, they don't have to go hunting for it. We tell them it's here right now. Just go here and do this. And it's easy. Yeah, so... Fort Worth is a pretty big, pretty large organization. How many sworn do you have? I think we're roughly 1,700 sworn. Wow, 1,700. Yeah, that's a, that's a larger uh, agency. Um, what's your process um, for choosing and training and supervising in the RTCC? Yep, so the, the two biggest... Um, I guess, skill sets, you, you could say, for a successful, what I call real-time analyst, even though they're sworn officers, they're really real-time analysts, mm -hmm. is a combination of being proactive, a self-starter, that is so important to real-time, um, in addition to high analytical ability. You know, people that are naturally curious, they, they love puzzles, they love putting these pieces together to figure things out as quickly as they possibly can. You know, they see that as a challenge and it's fun because that's what we do all day. But, you know, proactivity and, and being a self-starter is so, so important to a real-time crime center. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in some crime centers and, you know, nothing against them. They're, they're great at what they do, but they're more reactive in nature. They're waiting for somebody to call them. And to me, that's not a real-time crime center. That's just a crime center. Um, and, and again, nothing wrong with that because they're very, very valuable to their organizations. But when you talk about being involved with what's going on, you know, to improve the officer safety, the citizen safety, and the help on these calls, you have to be very proactive. And that's such an important thing for these people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's great. I hope you have outside uh, training uh, available for these people, too, besides what you're doing uh, in-house. I want to get into that in a little more detail, but first I'd like to take a break and thank our sponsors. 
Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. And we're back, and I'm speaking with Sergeant Dalton Webb, Director of Fort Worth's Real-Time Crime Center. And we're talking about uh, training your analysts, their police officers. Uh, You know, oftentimes we get into situations as a cop that we never planned to be in. Uh, and then we get assigned to these roles. So you've got to train these people up. Uh, they've already got the advantage of having that, uh, you know, curious mind. Uh, do you have you put together playbooks for sort of predictable situations, whether it's a active shooter or a terrorism hazmat uh, protest demonstrations, things like that? So not so much um, because every every situation is so fluid, Jim. It's it's very difficult to to say you know this is the the standard you know procedures for this situation because we 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 encourage creativity in the crime center. You almost have to be creative. I'm very much a think outside the box kind of unit. Um, so when you encourage your people to do that, when you empower them to be creative, and they have the knowledge and the proactivity they can approach these things from very unique standpoints that are, that are successful. Um, so as long as you set the guidelines of, you know, understanding how to use the tools effectively and to be proactive, you know, what I have found is if you just give them that foundation and turn them loose, they're very, very good at handling any situation you can possibly throw at them. Um, so, you know, there's not a lot of, of training out there because this concept with real-time crime centers and, and using them in a technology-driven aspect to drive the policing mission, it's, it's so new that there's really not much standardized training out there because mm. it's, it's just a new concept. Um, so, you know, a lot of it's in-house, but yeah, I've, I've put together training. Um, you know, some of the founda- foundational aspects of, of what we do is, you know, navigating, uh, you know, databases and, and of that nature to, to understand how to find the information as quickly as, pos- as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Sure. And I know FEMA has some great online courses, of course, you know, ICS 100, 200, 700, 800, and they have some specialty courses. I think those would be helpful for anybody going into, you know, an intelligence led crime center like this. Um, Can we talk a little bit about um, the the negative aspects to the crime center. I mean, in, I'm in California, right? In San Francisco PD, when we opened up our, our crime center, our department operations center, uh, we had some real pushback from groups saying, you're big brother, you're watching us. We don't want people watching crime cameras real time. Do you, you get any kind of response like that? Yeah, sure. And it's obviously it's going to be case by case, depending on the, the political you know, geography of your area. Um, it's understandable. Um, but, you know, I, th- I personally believe that, you know, the, the belief that 
you know, agencies have access to these tools and, and we're using them for, for privacy invasion and all those concerns. Um, I think law enforcement is partially to blame for that because we're not very effective at explaining to people and the media and, and everybody else how we use these tools, which, you know, to me is, is silly because it's, we don't do anything that's secret. Um, you know, we're, we're just trying to be as efficient as we possibly can. And that's ultimately what it comes down to, Jim, mm-hmm. is, is efficiency. You know, how efficient do you want your police department to be? Uh, to me, you know, being that I am a cop, I want us to be as efficient as possible. So, you know, when you take something like a PTZ camera, for example, and they don't want PTZ cameras everywhere because they don't want you watching or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's completely legal and it's completely allowable. Everybody's always known it's okay for an officer to sit in an unmarked car with binoculars and, and watch a location that may historically be a high crime spot, right? Everybody knows that's fine. We've done it for decades. But as soon as you put a PTZ camera or a fixed camera at that location doing the same thing, like people get upset about it. And I don't understand why, because it's not giving us a capability that we've never had before. It's just making what we've always done more efficient hmm. through technology. So, you know, I think the ultimate argument is they don't want us to be efficient. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, for listeners out there not aware, point, tilt, zoom are your PTZ cameras, and you can use those streaming back in real time, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, PTZ, yeah, that, those are the ones that you can actually move around. You know, a fixed camera is just, is just fixed on one point. You can't move it. Sure, and your operators in the crime center can actually change focus or direction of these cameras. Yes, that's correct. And we, and we use them to follow, you know, individuals that are involved in crimes because, you know, we have all these cameras mapped for mm-hmm. us. So if there's a call for service at a particular location where we know we have these cameras, we can very, very quickly pull them up most times before the call is even dispatched to see what's occurring. So that, that's just a whole other aspect of how we can assist officers with officer safety and their investigations is by telling them what's happening as they're driving there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, going back a little bit uh, to that um, criticism of access to cameras in public, well, I tell my students all the time, First Amendment is the First Amendment, but there is no expectation of privacy when we're out in the public and you know these cameras exist. Is there some some sort of um, policy that you have when officers encounter um, victims of domestic violence or sexual assault or child sexual assault where uh, the cameras go dark or that um, you somehow um, you know, remove certain segments of a video in, in some of these investigations? Well, you know, so, you know, the, the evidence collected on these cameras, it's no different than a body camera. It's no different than any other, uh, you know, piece of evidence that we would have in those situations. So, you know, it, it, for open records requests, obviously that those kind of things would be redacted, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the, for the purpose of that investigation and the nature of the investigation. So they're not really any different. They don't have any different uh, guidelines or, or laws. Um, so it's, it's, it's really the same as a body camera would be. Okay. So um, you're all set. You've got your group. You've got your real-time crime center open. 
any other agencies um, saying, hey, we want in the sheriff's department, uh, your EMS group? Uh, how do you connect to them? Yeah, so I probably I probably have guests from from all over the nation, maybe once every week and a half or two weeks, Jim. I mean, just you know, people come in and they want to see the crime center and how we're doing things in Fort Worth. Um, and you know, the other large centers that I've talked to that are very successful, you know, they say the same thing. You know, they've got people coming all from all over because everybody understands, you know, or, or they're starting to understand the force multiplier aspect of using technology. And, and how beneficial it can be, not just for, for officer safety, but, you know, attacking violent crimes, um, you know, which is a big problem nationally now. Um, so, you know, we're, we're always hosting those, those individuals, and, and we're always looking to improve relationships with not just, you know, the law enforcement agencies, but citizens and all businesses in our cities. And, and this is just another way that we can do that very, very effectively. Yeah, no, it's a great PR tool to, to show you know, the citizens, what their tax dollars are paying for. I'm sure, I'm sure it's a, it's a hit. Yep. So, you know, one of the, the big movements now, you know, going back to cameras is, is being able to, to feed private cameras uh, back to a real-time crime center. Because if, if you think about it, it's really no different than having a security monitoring center monitoring your cameras, except in this particular instance, it's police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and some people aren't comfortable with that, but a lot of them are. A lot of people appreciate that. Sure. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to get that video in, in regards to an investigation anyway. So, you know, a lot of these business owners, you know, they think to themselves, man, I would love to have police officers keep an eye on my property if something happens on my property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where are we going? What's the future of the RTCC? I, I, I personally own a system with uh, a ring set up and it's a rings, a you know, a, a dedicated brand, but I mean, there's all these different home technologies where we can share within our own neighborhoods, you know, suspicious person or a package thief, things like that. Are you capable of getting those feeds from the public to the RTCC? So we can do that by request through certain platforms. We can't um, access them live. And, and to be quite frank with you, I don't, I don't want that ability. Uh, I, think, I, th- I think everybody would agree with me. Um, you know, the home is just, it's different. Um, we rely very, very heavily, and I think it always should be that way, to where homeowners control their own footage and law enforcement can't access that. I, I just, I think that's the way it should be. Um, but, you know, we can, we can obviously request it, uh, you know, if, if, if they want to give us the footage. Because, you know, that's a big problem too. Package thefts, vehicle burglaries, you know, home burglaries, all those different things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, getting that footage is important because we can take that footage in cooperation with that homeowner. And then, you know, if we see them at that location and follow them out and they start getting on the main roadways, well, now we can use our cameras mm-hmm. and we can hopefully locate that person. Yeah. Um, I think about the value of like home, you know, a home invasion series where you capture images of suspects that are doing it repeatedly, maybe vehicles involved. And, and I'm, I was thinking of that viral video from a few months ago where I forget what jurisdiction it was, but officers went up to a doorway and it was awesome that this, this woman officer was standing off to the side when the suspect came out with a gun and started firing at the officers and she immediately drew and shot as she was, you know, diving backwards into the doorway. 
and just that imagery from a ring camera. I mean, it's valuable post incident, of course, for investigative purposes, but um, be good to to get that out to, you know, get the resources, the EMS and, you know, other other help on scene. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, footage in general, you know, from from any kind of surveillance video, whether it be, you know, police cameras or, or private citizen cameras, it's, it's such phenomenal evidence. You know, prosecutors, they absolutely love it because it's 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 practically impossible to, to say, you know, this isn't the person. It's like they're right there. You can see them on camera. Um, and, you know, it's it's just great. It's great footage. Um, but, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, the future. Where are we going with this? What, you know, what are our goals? And, you know, as, as this technology keeps improving, you know, it keeps advancing in the future, not just with law enforcement, but just in society. Like, we have to keep up. We can't fall behind because criminals are advancing too. So we have to change our tactics and be smarter with policing. Um, and, you know, they're doing it with, with medicine right now, Jim. I mean, you can see a doctor on your cell phone right now. You know, I, I think eventually, you know, you're going to see virtual response from law enforcement, maybe through a crime center. And maybe it's a natural spot for it. Uh, you know, because ultimately, I think the citizens, they just want the best service that they can get, right? I mean, they just want to be served by the officers. And now, granted, that's not going to apply to a lot of the things that we respond to, but there are a lot of things that we can remotely respond to very quickly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I think, you know, in the early days when we had dispatch take um, police reports over the phone, you know, a, a cold crime, a, a burglary with no suspects, little damage, things like that. Um, yeah, you're right to have uh, the ability to uh, actually interview someone over a camera. It's going to decrease calls for service for officers in the field. Yeah, yeah. And not just that. I mean, you're talking about saving money on gas. I mean, you may not have to have quite as many officers. Uh, you know, I never want to say we don't, we don't need officers because we always need more officers. But uh, you're, you're talking about being smarter with your staffing and being smarter with your response. And, you know, long gone are the days of, of I don't know if we ever had it, but, but long are the, the days of unlimited budgets, you know. Mm -hmm. Like right. with the defund movement and, and, you know, this push to be smarter with our, our, our taxpayer money, which we always should be, you know, we have to become as efficient as we possibly can. And that's just another aspect of how technology can improve efficiency within not just a big department, but every size department. Right, right. So if, if you have a smaller agency, I mean, you're a large agency, if you have a smaller town or, you know, some, you know, most agencies, more than half agencies in America are under 50, you know, sworn officers, what's your advice for them? Are there places where they can get started without a big budget? Yeah. So, I mean, the concepts are the same. Um, you know, what we experience in a big city is no different than a small rural department. Calls are calls, no matter what. We're, you know, they're just more plentiful in big cities. Um, but, you know, obviously you're, you're probably going to have smaller budgets, but, you know, the concepts that we do with real-time analysis, with, you know, analyzing calls for service to try and improve officer safety, to, you know, advance investigative leads, they can be applied to any size agency. Um, you know, I, th I think in the future, and you're absolutely right, 
um, I think a lot of this is going to be housed in a dispatch center. And, and I know I said when we first started that dispatchers have a different function, and they do. Um, but, you know, most agencies, it's not going to be it's not going to be feasible for them to have a dedicated unit with 16 police officers. It's right, just, right. it's just not going to happen. So, you know, you, you could cross train, you know, civilians and dispatchers to, to have that function separate from dispatch yet part of dispatch, if that makes sense. I think sure. that's a natural home for that. Right. No, no, we had some, when we started, we had something similar where we, it was essentially a uh, a dispatch center, police talking to police, but we had the ability to break out and size up and break into, you know, the ICS format at a critical incident or over a critical incident. So if something developed, then we had people, you know, put on a vest, run over to another console where we have somebody dedicated to operations, planning, logistics, and admin finance. And then you had an incident commander step up. So we made that shift. It almost sounds like you're ready to do that at any time at your crime center. Kudos to you. Yep. Yeah. We, uh, we, we try to focus on, on what's happening immediately um, with, with what's going on in the room, but you're absolutely right. Um, that's, that's another function that, that a lot of crime centers are moving toward. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything to add? Any, any last parting stories of uh, success from, from the RTC, so the RTCC that you couldn't have had before? Oh yeah, there's, I mean, there's just so many, you know, I, I could literally go through and we keep very detailed stats in the crime center, you know, with, with individual stories that we have that, that probably would have never occurred otherwise, but, you know, it's, you know, we can look at the crime reductions that we've had we've had documented crime reductions in all these areas where we've put these cameras up, um, you know, 32%, 18%, 23, 22%, and some historically high crime areas. And, and, and Jim, this was during COVID when we pulled these numbers, when crime was historically going up everywhere. Um, but, you know, it, it, crime centers and technology in general, if, if you can apply it and, and do it correctly, you can solve cr cases that you never really would have been able to solve before. Um, and, and we've done that so many times. So I just, I highly encourage people to look into it. Um, I think a lot of people are, are understanding that now and they're starting to drive towards that technology concept. Well, that's awesome. Hey, you're doing great work there at Fort Worth. And uh, I see you going up. I see you, uh, you know, expanding your crime center, adding new technology. Um, you've got vision for the future. Uh, I think that's awesome. Hey, thanks for taking time and being our guest today, Sergeant Dalton Webb, Fort Worth uh, Real-Time Crime Center. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Hey, to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed Sergeant Webb and his presentation. And uh, we'll put uh, a contact in the show notes for you if you want to do a follow-up. If you want to get a hold of me and suggest a new topic, if you want to comment on the show, if you have someone in mind you'd like to hear from, drop me a line at policingmatters at police1.com. Email me at policingmatters at police1.com. All right, stay safe. Hey, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Take good care. I'm Jim Dudley. <laughs>